Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Dave Gallego. Today on OTB, we have uh, this was a great get by you, David. You know, last week we had Mike Noonan, the head coach of Clemson Tigers, the national champions. Well, you turned right around. What's good for the goose? Good for the gander. You're putting Title IX principles here. And uh, on Over the Ball, we have the uh, the women's head coach from Florida State, Brian Penske. Uh, hell of a record. I've heard a lot about him, Dave. So uh, great get getting him on the air. It'll be nice to talk to him. They had a big 5-1 win over Stanford in the finals, uh, an undefeated Stanford team. So um, he's doing a great job there. So we'll be talking to him in a little bit. Um, first up, what uh, what'd you watch this weekend? Um, all right. Well, Kev, nice to hear from you. Uh, always good to hear from you, my friend. And um, I do have to say hello to we- everybody out there in podcast land. <laughs> thank, you. thank you for listening. You, you sound like George Bush when you say that. Like in the podcast land of people that are listening to things of people pods. These uh, these yeah, podcasts gotta, are they're strange. I mean, I'm still listening to a track, so this whole podcast thing is right. kind of new and uh, new and exciting. But uh, yeah, Kev, getting back to your question, I hey, by the watched... way, by the way, Dave, Dave, by the way, if you drop if you say eight track to a comedian. You immediately get bottles thrown at you on stage. That is such an old, haggy reference. Read for real would have been better. CDs are even old now. You got a CD, and you know, it's, it's funny. I was on stage a couple of weeks ago, and I said something. Now this guy looked like Joey Buttafuoco, and the whole audience looked at me like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "Oh my god, you're all in your twenties. They don't know who Joey Joey Buttafuoco is, and that that could be a good thing for our youth, actually." So, all right. So, so what'd you watch? I cut you off, Dave. So I watched the Aston Villa match, and yeah. the reason I am intrigued by them, well, first and foremost, they're in third place. Aston Amazing. Villa, yeah. that's the feel-good story of the season. And, you know, it's it's, it's hard not to love these guys. But, uh, yeah, I watched the Aston Villa game, and, um, Kev, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw it, but they had a goal. Their first goal was spectacular, and... I'm going to go over a couple of goals of the weekend a little bit, but um, even if you just watch the highlights, just watch that first goal. It's just a thing of beauty. Really? Fantastic. I haven't watched them. I watched the Liverpool game um, with a, you know, Manchester United played horribly. They just were on their heels the whole time. Uh, but you know what? Liverpool couldn't put it away. And so they had a chance to go to the top of the table. But I think that is a great story, the Aston Villa story, because. I almost feel like it's unfair. It's like the high school quarterback who's an All-American and, uh, you know, six foot four and good looking who doesn't graduate each year. You know, you get the same four top players every year, you know, teams staying in the league, top of the league, because they have the most money, the most shine and everything else like that. And when these smaller teams come up, I just think it's fantastic. No, I agree with you. It's the Davey versus Goliath. Right. So I'll check out that. That's the <clears throat> goal. A couple others I'll, um, I'll check out as well. Now, well, you know, Kind of tough news this week for the U.S. soccer crowd, which uh, their MLS, after this big announcement, we gave them their props last week about uh, MLS Cup and all the positive news coming out of American soccer. Um, I think this is kind of a little bit of a sad note, the U.S. Open Cup. They're going to uh, not put MLS teams in. 
they're going to put in their MLS Next Pro teams in starting in 2024. What are your thoughts on that, Dave? Well, we, I just mentioned Davy versus Goliath. So the U.S. Open Cup is a situation where Davy. I mean, am I? No, wait, Davy and Goliath. Uh, Kev, am I? Am I talking about the right thing? Davy and Goliath. That's like big against small. It's like when yeah, big against small. Okay, I want to make sure that would be, for instance, when you and I are standing in the shower together naked. Not that that ever happens, but that's that's probably the end result. I would imagine. You know, we can make that happen. We can talk about that off air. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Davy versus Goliath. I wanted to make sure I wasn't confusing it with the claymation. There was Davy and Goliath, yeah, and David versus Goliath. Oh, David versus, all right, forget, forgive me, because this has nothing to do with Davy versus hey, Goliath, the claymation uh, yes. series from the 70s. That was all, yeah. the only thing to watch on Sundays. No, because David, David he- versus Goliath. Okay, so, uh, again. Yeah, the, they had all those moral lessons for you. Gee, Davy, why did you push the wino down the well? <laughs> but Davy, why but say Davey. no to crack? Yeah. And that so, couple, so, go ahead. Yeah, so again, when you have the MLS teams playing the lesser the, uh, lesser opponents, it's David versus Goliath. It's like the it's like it's like March Madness, for example. Everybody loves the first round, the second round when you have that feel good story, and yeah. you're not gonna, you're not going to have that anymore. And you know, I understand they want to limit the workload. I, I totally, totally understand that. But again, to 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 eliminate this tournament, I think is unacceptable, and I think it hurts. The MLS, and, and quite frankly, I, I I can't help but think that the MLS is maybe concerned that they don't perhaps do as well in the tournament. Maybe they there are some upsets, but well, I can't look, help but think couple couple of reasons. I think look, you're you're a marketing person, so it's basically follow the money. I think that they don't believe the money is there, which all along. Look, I played in the U.S. Open Cup final for the Hartford Portuguese, like back in 1985. Um, there was like there was like 200 people in the stands, and it was you know great soccer, but we played in St. Louis, a soccer town. So almost like our discussion about the Final Four, those games should be packed. Everybody's talked about how the U.S. Open Cup, our FA Cup, basically, our version of the FA Cup, uh, how great it would be for American soccer, for pub leagues to play against MLS teams. Um, but no one ever accounts for all the games that are added into the schedule. And I think when the powers that be started to look at what was available and what was being added and what brought in money, um, they thought the U.S. Open Cup was too much of an investment. I hope maybe they re, re um, visit this whole thing in a few years uh, as the soccer world grows and the the thirst for more games uh, mounts. But you know, I think it's a it's kind of a sad day. It was a big deal in my day. It really was playing that was a, was a big big deal. Who uh, Kev? Who did you play against back then? I know we played a team. I forget from uh, Detroit, Michigan. I think we lost in the finals there. Um, and what yeah, league were they in? Back, what league were they in back then? Well, it's uh, you know it's all it was the U.S. Open Cup, so it was it was basically there was no NASL teams anymore. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were no, exactly. There were no MLS teams in eighties in eighty five or eighty six. So I just graduated from college, and and the Hartford Portuguese, we just kept winning. Um, you know, we beat Vasco da Gama and Bridgeport, and then the Newark team, and then a team down in D.C., and we just kept moving. And finally, we went to the finals in St. Louis. So we had a you know we had probably mostly. Mostly foreign players, but a couple of great American ones. Joe Maroney, former Herman Trophy, oh, yeah, yeah. was on the team. Yeah, UConn coach, right? UConn. Uh, no, it was his son Joe, who was the Herman Award winner, uh, and his other son Billy Maroney. We played together, and just a whole bunch of UConn players. And you know, I grew up in Connecticut, so I got put put on that. And guess what? Guess who was the manager of the team? 
Uh, well, first of all, Billy Maroney, you mentioned him. He owes me 20 bucks. So if you know where you can find him, you let okay. me know. Doesn't uh, really. No, no. The manager of the team. Is this the trivia question, by the way? No. No, it was Sunil Gulati was the manager. Ah, look so, at that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was. It goes way, way back. Anyway, oh, um, yeah, so it's a bummer for kind of U.S. soccer. But you know what? Look, it's part of growing pains. And I think they made a corporate decision and not a passionate one, uh, which I think is a little unfortunate. But there's no room. There's no room to add more tournaments without just – I mean, I think um, – LAFC played about fifty-four games before they got to the finals. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot of uh, mileage under your feet, under your boots. I agree. Yeah, you know, Kev, that's true. But if you look at the European teams, they're all playing that no matter what, anyway. So, right, uh, you know, these guys are making money, and again, their fatigue sets in, and you don't want the quality of the games to suffer. But when you look at the lesser teams uh, that 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 have always participated, I mean, you have teams like. Cincinnati, who's now in the MLS, you have yeah. in the you have teams that that get tremendous attendance. They have tremendous support, and from these ranks is where the MLS chooses their expansion teams from. So oh. it it does help the MLS. I get what you're saying. I but get what also, you're saying. I think they've come to the end of the line as far as adding teams. I I would imagine for a I don't while. think so. I keep saying I, that. I think they're looking at Vegas and they're looking at another city. Um, you know, they got a good thing going right now. So listen, who knows? I don't want the product to get watered down. I mean, as it is right, right now, you know, you've got some players that, uh, perhaps are, are, are questionable, but, um, Hey, it is what it is. I don't agree with it. Better. The levels. I don't agree with it. Continue. Oh, so. and, by, and by the way, Kev, for the record, yeah, DC United, they don't even have an MLS next pro team. So maybe they should wait a couple of years and maybe phase, phase it out. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, U.S. Open Cup kind of ending in some ways, but uh, a new beginning, perhaps. So we'll see what happens. Uh, which leads us to our trivia question, Dave. Are you ready for the Soccer America trivia question? I'm ready. Is the answer right. uh, that is it, is the answer the um, Hartford Portuguese? Hartford Portuguese. No, it's Colonel Mustard with a uh, candlestick in the living room. No, it's uh, all right. Since the MLS launch in 1996, how many U.S. Open Cup titles were won? by non-MLS teams. So since 1996, when the MLS started, uh, how many teams uh, that were not MLS teams won in all that time? Hmm. And you will not know that. All right. Uh, I don't know. I give up. All right. I'm not going to wait till the end of the show. So uh, if anybody wants to, to uh, tweet or, or uh, Facebook us or any of that, that answer to that question, let us know. Uh, your second question, Dave. I'll give the answers at the end again. Houston Dynamo won the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. Uh, it entered the third round um, of competition, right, round of 64. How many MLS teams did Houston play in its five wins en route to winning the final? Uh, five games, how many were MLS teams? I don't know, my friend. I don't know. I'll give you the I'll give you the answer to this one today. Can our producer? I'm going to give him the answer to this one because he's just he's just dangling in the wind today. All right, out of the five games they played, four of them were MLS teams: Sporting KC, Chicago Fire, uh, Rio Salt Lake, and Inter Miami, which they beat in the finals. So, uh, and by the round of 16, only two non-MLS teams were still involved. By the semis, zero. So, wow, the MLS dominated the U.S. Open Cup. So they kind of. Maybe that's why they're not uh, valuing it very much. I'm not sure. So, And um, here's a little bit of trivia within the trivia. 
that first question I gave you, since the launch in 96, how many U.S. Open Cup titles were won by non-MLS teams? And I covered that game for ESPN. So I was really? Yes, I was there. I used to have a career. Now I'm doing a podcast with you and Ken. Terrible. That's what happened in my life. <laughs> hey, so, um, so I'm excited about this. This is a good get. Uh, we'll come back in a little bit. We'll talk to Florida State head coach Brian Penske about his uh, great uh, march to the national championship with his uh, Florida State team. All right, you listen to Over the Ball. And we'll be back in just a bit. All right, we're back on Over the Ball. Uh, very excited to uh, talk to our next guest. Uh, he's the head coach of Florida State. I've uh, I've known of this man for a while in his travels, and uh, he's had success everywhere he's gone. Uh, they're now national champions, Florida State. A big 5-1 win over an undefeated Stanford team. Uh, we're happy to have Coach Brian Penske on the show. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, hey, Brian. So, uh, you know, Dave was showing off that the fact that he could get in touch with you and get you on the show because with my, I got Mike Noonan last week, so he's just trying to one-up me. So, <laughs> two shows, two great coaches. Um, two, national champ, two national champs. Absolutely. And tell us a, a little bit about how this year was different with some of your seasons in the past. Yeah, I, I think un, un, unequivocally, this was the best team I've ever coached. Um, our, our, our talent was, uh, was phenomenal. Our attacking group was um, phenomenal and, and as on display in that national championship game, right? Scoring five goals against a, a stout defense, right? A team that had only given up 10 all season. Um, um, but I, I'd say probably the, the, the coolest thing about this group is they had no idea how good they were. And so they were just, as cheesy as this may sound, they were kind of just they were chasing greatness. They were chasing a championship with a real humility about themselves and living up to the Florida State standard that, you know, it wasn't until like our 12th game of the season where I think they really, and at this time we were literally one, number one or two in the country, they thought we were pretty average. And it wasn't until we beat a very good Notre Dame team handedly, four to one, um, who our players all respect, we all respect, it wasn't until then that our team thought, "Wow, actually, we're 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 not a bad team, and we can maybe do something special." Um, and so, I'd say the combination of the first thing I said, the the talent, um, and then a little bit of the determination, and then the building of the belief over time is what made this group so special. Well, that whoever's dog that is is special. That's my dog. That you're not sorry. And also, coach, you know. Um, that is a great combination to actually have a team that's playing uh, really well, uh, achieving, but also keeping that humility, you know, keeping their eye on the final prize. Because look, you know, as a coach, trying to handle different, all those personalities, people get cocky, they get over cocky, they get in a rut, they get, you know, all the ups and downs emotionally that you have to deal with, with all the players. What a great, what a great, a sign of a great team that they continue with their humility in, in the, in, as they were winning. Totally. And, 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 and every good team, right. starts with who, who's running the ship, right. Who's leading the group, right. What's yep. going on in the locker room, right. What, what's going on when, when, when they're sending messages to each other, you know, on the weekends and away from the coaches, right. The, every, every good team has a message group that the coaches aren't on, right. Like, right. and, and, and so we had leaders and their whole goal was we want to win. And it was always about the winning. Nothing else mattered, right? We had a little saying at the end of the season, 
keeping the main thing the main thing. And the main thing was always, how are we going to beat our next opponent? Nothing else matters. It's not about, you know, okay, this is the ACC championship game. This is, okay, this is the Sweet 16. This is the Elite Eight. It was nothing. Every game was just another soccer game all the way through the national championship. It was, we never said any words beyond, this is how we're going to win today. And, uh, and then it was like, all of a sudden, it was over, and we were undefeated, and we were national champions. And I think all of us kind of had a little bit of, I don't know of disbelief, but wow, it's over. Wow, we've yeah. done it. Wow, this is pretty cool. Oh, and they yeah. shellacked Stanford. They'll ha- and they'll have that memory, as will you, for the rest of your life. Dave? Yeah, no, so... You know, the old adage, defense wins championships. So you have a Stanford team that you alluded to has only let up 10 goals all season. And now you have a Florida State team who has the best offense. So you have the top offense, top scoring team versus the top defensive team. And now you guys come in and, listen, let's face facts. You, and I I can't put it any other way, but you guys pummeled them. Five to one. I know you can't comment on that, but again, you guys were relentless. I, I saw your girls moving the entire time. There was nothing taken for granted. And uh, again, five to one. You just destroyed the adage of defense wins championships because <laughs> five to one. This is the final game. So kudos to you. Hey, Brian, I have to ask you because I've never ever won a national championship in my life. Be honest, has it sunk in when you're laying in bed at night? Can you can you believe that you won a national championship? No. You know what? That is such a great question, Dave. No, I have. I, this was this was my first, and it hasn't sunk in. Like I never, I never, I never imagined I would be here right now as a head coach of a national championship team. So, and like honestly, when I just said those words, I I got chills, right? Because I just. I'm just a guy like I'm just a guy who's been lucky and has worked really hard. And I never imagined that I, you know, have an opportunity to coach a team like this. And so to be sitting here and people even say, you talk about our team, people, a lot of people have said that over the last 20 years, that's, that's potentially the best soccer college soccer team over the last 20 years being undefeated the first Florida State team to ever be undefeated, right? I, I I got this job a year and a half ago and took over from Mark Krikorian, who over the last 15 to 17 years has been the best in the business. And so right. we've just oh, yeah. been trying to measure up. And now I got to ask you a question about that, Coach, because usually when a coach with your success that you've had, you've coached at every level from high school, you've done ODP stuff, uh, you've coached men, you've coached women here at Maryland. Um, you usually come into a program that is in disarray here's a winning coach you look at it you say all right here's an opportunity that i can really build build upon like our friend um you know chris shamity's at lsu with the women's program there he's trying to build it up conversely what you stepped into was really the opposite problem which is complete opposite program everybody's winning why are we changing anything who is this interloper who is this guy talk about that stepping into that sort of environment yeah, no, you're exactly right. And Nate Norman is the coach at Notre Dame. And that summer before my first fall, we sat there at a recruiting event for like an hour trying to think if anyone had ever stepped into a national championship, a reigning national champion team before, right? Because who, who, who wins a national championship and then leaves, right? And we couldn't think in any sport 
of that having been the case, right? So I walked in the day I met them and I walked in and I said, hey, look, I, I get it. Like, you're not excited to see me. I understand that, right? You wish probably Mark would walk back through the door again. Um, you're referring, you're, right, you're referring, I'm sorry, you're referring to the girls, the players. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 And, and recruits also. Who'd you think oh, he was yeah. referring to? Both. The mothers? Both. What do you, what do you, Both. well, you know, I just want to clarify, take it easy yeah. over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, look, uh, you know, you guys are the reigning ACC champions. You're the reigning national champions. And uh, this is your team far more than it's my team. And uh, I'm hoping you can, you know, and you guys are familiar with the transfer portal. There were only nine players when I got there. There were only nine players who were not in the transfer portal. Everybody was in the transfer portal because they were so, you know, uh, disappointed yes. and sad yeah. and angry that Mark Corian had left. So we had to kind of try and ask these kids to give me give us a chance, right? And uh, so I said, look, we're, we're not going to change things just for change's sake, right? If if we feel like we need to tweak something, then we'll talk about it and we'll do it. But this is a national championship team with a lot of players back from last year. Hopefully we can get to know each other and we can try and do this together. And, uh, and it, you know, that first fall, 2022, we had some bumps, right? We started the season one win, zero losses, two ties. And in Florida State soccer terms, that, that, that means the sky is falling. Um, and so we had some real heart-to-heart -heart, uh, video sessions and soccer philosophy and things like that. And then we went on a run. Like it was an hour and a half video session that was supposed to be 15 minutes. And then, and, and we came out of there really like a, it was total, like come to Jesus kind of session. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and we came out of there and we won, I think we had five straight games where we scored five goals or more. And then went to the ACC. Yeah, no, and you know, and, and, um, and Kev, that, that was a great, that, that's, I'm sorry. Um, that was a great question, Kev, because just so our listeners understand if they don't know Brian's trajectory. So when you took over a Maryland team, they had a losing record. You quickly turned them around. Then you went to Tennessee and you made them SEC champs, uh, beating uh, my alma mater, uh, South Carolina. I always have to get that uh, get that plug in there every every week. Um, you go sound Gamecocks. Like a <laughs> yeah, south of, south of Spain. Yeah, um, and, and so again, so to Kevin's point again, great question. Uh, it takes a, a speaking of Spain, it takes a, a pair of cojones to take over a team that's already incredibly successful. Where basically, let's face it, you have no place else to go but but down. So Correct. kudos to you or um, another another program, but it would also coach. What an interesting psychological tact to take the humility tact to come in and say, you know, not like, all right, shit's going to change. D -d 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 my way, highway just doesn't work. And like I said, uh, you know, even talking to totally. Coach, oh, they would they would have thrown me out. They would have would have been over before I started. Um, yeah. They would have thrown me out, right? And Fantastic. There was no other way to go about it. There was no let, other way. Let me ask you this, Coach: Is you've coached men and women at a very high level? Do you see a difference uh, psychologically? You know, in the players, like. I've talked to Anson Dorrance occasionally about, you know, how he had to treat the, t the men's team differently from the women's team and, you know, psychologically how, how things would work. Have you discovered anything in your, in your journeys? Yeah. You know, I think, um, 
Now, no disrespect to Anson, but when he was coaching both, that was a cool 40 plus years ago, right? right. Um, so a little bit different, right? I wasn't but, even born yet, Brian, so. <laughs> <laughs> understood, understood. Um, you know, I think um, we're coaching people, right? right. And, and we're talking about, you know, this is 2023. And I was talking to some professional coaches, NWSL coaches today about players and the draft that's coming up and still talking about women here, but talking about professionals. And I, I was talking about some of our players and I mentioned, I said, you know, one or two of them that might need an arm around them. And I, I said, I don't know what it's like for you guys at the professional level, but, um, you know, we've got some kids that do better when you put an arm around them. Right. right? And they right. feel like they've got your back. And he, and he very quickly said, it's no different in our level. And I very much feel it's no different with men. Right. Like right. we're all humans, you know. And, and when I was at Maryland on the men's side in 02, 03, 04, we went to the College Cup, the Final Four, three times. We, we went to the ACC Championship three times. We had a lot of good players who played in the MLS for a long time. Those guys were plenty sensitive. They were plenty emotional. They Absolutely. were plenty like needed, like you know, you know, psychological reinforcement, right? Yeah. Yep. I'd say I, I think because we're all just human, right? right. And it's a matter of are we going to admit that we like that stuff, or are we going to not admit <laughs> that we like that stuff and need that stuff? You know, I think sometimes a little bit of a difference with guys is guys just want to play, right? Like, give me the ball and I want to play. And okay, if you want to coach me, cool. But I'd prefer you maybe don't coach me because <laughs> I, I just want to play, right? Yeah. Right. Whereas many women, um, they 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 want structure, right? They want to know, okay, how are we going to do this? What's the answer? How are we going to beat a team, right? How are we going to defend a team? What's our plan, right? And so a method to the madness where the guys like roll the ball out, and I'm going to freaking slit the other team's throat. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I asked uh, Tom Sermani, the old women's national team coach, I said, what are the differences between men and women? And he said, women don't dive. <laughs> He's not wrong. Right. He's not wrong. The good quality. The yeah. good quality yeah. coach. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's funny because people always refer to the alpha male, but there are certainly alpha females, too. Oh, you nailed it, Dave. And we had two. We had two. Well, we, we had a bunch, but two that were unlike any players I've ever seen before. And and one was a girl named Leilani Nesbeth, who's from Bermuda and plays for the Bermuda full national team. And another one's uh, Beata Olsen, who plays for Sweden national team. And these two women, the most, the two most competitive sons of bitches I've ever been around in my life. Nice. They, so when we talk about leadership before, and these players on such a mission, chasing total greatness and winning in championships that it starts with them i can say all i want I but if it. it's coming from these these players in the locker room and on the field absolutely priceless so absolutely alpha females who can run a ship you um bring up an interesting point coach i've seen you know like uh, you know i was in college in the 80s and so before i got to college a lot of college teams men's teams were filled with foreign players and then there was a trend where it was mostly American players. Then now, you know, looking at Clemson, there's a lot more foreign players. West Virginia, most Marshall, they're yeah. all foreign players. Um, it seems like the dynamic has changed where you can still chase a professional career if you're European, but you can get a college education. And now these college players are starting to get these chances to play in their club teams, you know, and 
professional development leagues. Uh, so there's a lot more opportunities. But I've seen it happen with women now. Women, there are a lot of women. Certainly the U.S. women's national team inspired the entire world of women yes. to say, where is ours and where can we play? And that's starting to happen. And these women are coming now and, and they're on your team. How, is, how has that changed uh, your coaching ability and how has it changed the dynamics? Yeah, I think I think the whole uh, landscape of women's uh, soccer around the world is changing. You know, you have uh, oh yeah, yep. You have top 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 EPL teams now investing on the women's side, right? Barcelona yeah. on the women's side. So Chelsea. there's a lot more money being spent. Chelsea women, right, uh, around the world, and so there's incredible opportunity. Never seen, you know, unlike we've ever seen. And the U.S. has been at the top. But in the last 10 years, these these other countries are really starting to show an investment. And this is why right. we didn't win, right, the right. most recent yeah. World Cup, right? right. So we've exactly. got a bigger challenge on our hands moving forward. And now there's this push and this rush to get younger kids to go pro at a younger age. And I don't think that's the answer, right? I, 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 I right. you know, because not all pro environments are um, stable, right? Yeah. And not every kid, right, is ready to be in a professional world, right? We all need to be able to fail and someone still have our back while they're not terrified and fearing their own job and only trying to win games and only trying to keep a job, right? And yeah. so it's, it's a, it's a, we could have a whole nother show about, oh, yeah. about this topic alone. <laughs> You know, you're like a Manchester United, uh, you know, youngster coming up and all of a sudden you're 15 and you get cut and you haven't really done anything in school and suddenly got to get a trade. So I, you know, it's interesting, Coach, because it seems like professional American players are going overseas now because some of the infrastructure within Arsenal and Barcelona and all these programs yep. you mentioned. Conversely, one of the greatest sort of talent pools for women has been the college game here. And not only 100%. that, but you're also getting a college degree, you know, a very usable tangible thing totally and that's become college soccer has been the player pool for the u.s national team and a lot of players develop in those four years they develop holistically right they get the degree right. they grow up as a young woman they become a better soccer player and now they're at the disposal of the u.s national teams when they're 22 23 24 years old other countries don't have that landscape but now within their clubs they're providing a different landscape well, yeah. Coach. So, go ahead, Dave. We're gonna wrap yeah, up. Here. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Brian. We know you have a million other things to do. I just wanted to sneak in a couple of quick questions. Um, so, with NIL, yeah, do you feel that you have to con constantly reclose these girls because it seems like the the carpet could be pulled out from underneath you at any given moment you feel you have a strong connection with the player and then boom next thing you know they're in the portal so do you feel like you have to constantly reclose them yeah good question thankfully we are not at the level of football and basketball right now um we are you know we have players that are getting money through nil and uh you know we're active with it within our program um however we are not at the level to where Kids are coming to us and putting their name in the portal to see what better deal they have out there or to see if we will give them more money. Now, some of that might be because, and I don't say this arrogantly, it's just a fact, it, we are Florida State soccer and Florida State soccer and going back to Mark recording, sure. you know, you my the marquee name, what he built. Yeah. 
this is a pretty good program. And so marquee name, really marquee leaving. facilities, absolutely top of the food yeah. chain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and Brian, one other thing I wanted to ask you, and this is something that's always intrigued me, and you you have a situation where the girls on your team have grown up being the best players on their team, whether it be um, middle school, then high school, then club team. So you're, you're surrounded by a group of girls that are the best of the best, but yet only 11 can play. As a coach, how do you keep them motivated when you have a top caliber player that may very well not see the field at all for one season or maybe even two seasons? How do you manage that? So hard, so hard, and 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 again, you know, inheriting this program from Mark, and and since he left, we the last two years we've had a roster of twenty players a year ago, and then only twenty one this fall. A year ago, we were at the college, we were at the Final Four wow. in twenty twenty two. We had twenty players. North Carolina had thirty seven, UCLA had thirty five, and Alabama had thirty. Those were the other players, and so wow. when you talk about managing people and still helping them develop as players, right? And then ideally still giving them some minutes, smaller roster caters to that, right? Right. I can't imagine having 30 plus on your team and really trying to meet their needs. But, But having said that, still, even within our roster of 20 and 21 the last two years, we have kids that are unhappy, right? And anything, you try and meet with these kids, and I say this to them, I said, look, Unfortunately, the only thing I'm gonna I could say to you in this meeting right now that's really gonna make you happy is you're gonna start the next game, um, you know, and right. and so and so we try to be as honest as possible. You got to be straight with players. All they ever want is to know the truth from a coach, right? They may not like it, but at least they'll respect that you're giving them honesty. And then after a couple of years of not playing, because again, the players we have, they all want to be pros. And so if after a couple years of not playing, they see that it's not going to happen for them here, then we'll work together to find them a new place where find they a new home. get on the field. Right, right? Gotcha. Right. This is a weird sport. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? We, we have a player. She, uh, she's a Herman Trophy finalist, right, which is the Heisman Trophy of, 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 of college, college soccer. soccer. yeah. She's a Herman Trophy fi- uh, finalist. I brought her to Florida State when I when I came here from Tennessee. She was at Mississippi State. As oh a yeah, junior. the transfer, the, the transfer yeah. from Mississippi, the night from Nigeria. Uh, yeah, she played in the World Cup for Nigeria. She scored two goals, two goals as a junior at Mississippi State. At two seasons here, she scored twenty-seven goals, eleven oh assists, Herman Trophy finalist. Right, and so you never know. In what environment someone may flourish? Well, I was yeah, thinking yeah. about you. You mentioned Chelsea, David's. Uh, you know, Mo Salah and De Bruyne didn't do well in Chelsea under there you go, um, under Jose Mourinho. You know, so it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, Coach, uh, congratulations on all a, a great yeah, win. What, congrats, uh, Brian. What comes next for you? Uh, you've just won the national championship. Besides a couple of weeks off before you start recruiting again. What, uh, what yeah, you, you know what? Uh, to, to be honest, recruiting never stops. Um, yes. You know, we're in the, you know, you mentioned the transfer portal. Um, we've, we've hosted three recruits since the national championship. We've been, we've been grinding. And, and actually I, the reason why I was one minute late was because I was on a phone call with a, with a, with a transfer recruit. So I apologize hey. for being late. So oh, you're fine, coach. Stops. You're fine. That- and you won't be starting this next game. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> understood. understood. We just have to be, we just have to be honest with you. You're not going to say, yeah, I know. I pre- that's Brian, all I want. If, that's all if your mother wants. calls me one more time about your playing time. Right. <laughs> 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 I got a, just a quick story before we go here, but my buddy was the head coach at the, 
one of my college roommates at Fairfield University, the lacrosse team, he called me one day and he said, my God, all the kids are complaining about their time. Their parents are calling me. He goes, so I sat all the kids down in the locker room and I said, hey guys, look, my door is always open. If you want to talk to me, come on in. I'll tell you why you're not playing. If your parents call me to ask me why you're not playing, you're definitely not playing. I go, I like that. You know, he goes, yeah. It was on a Thursday or Friday. I call him the following week on Tuesday. I go, how'd it go? He goes, I got fired this morning. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry for the bad advice. Wild. And they've never won as much as when he was there. So uh, anyway, Coach, it's uh, really an honor to talk to you. You're doing such oh, a great job. I appreciate job. you guys. Yeah, Brian. Great job, buddy. We love yeah, you. Thank everywhere you've gone. And, uh, Kevin, thank you. All, Brian. So are you coming out for the coaches' convention? Yes, sir. I'll all right. Be out so, there. Hopefully, I'll uh, I'll see. I got a steak dinner in on the books with Mike Noonan. So, oh, let's get Penske in there. Awesome. All right. Awesome. All right, coach. All the best, all right, guys. Thanks joining so much. us on over the ball. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Take care, Brian. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Dave. What a great guy. Yeah. You know, you can tell he just uh, you can tell how he he motivates other uh, athletes. You know, he just what a great attitude. Because I think like that, like you're saying, just coming into a think about that coming into a national program, and, and then they're looking at you like who. Like you're a toenail on their breakfast table. Like, get out of here. Ooh. You know, and uh, just a great job. So you can tell that he's a very positive person and uh, easy to talk to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm like, by the way, that I... wasn't uh, Brian, Pen- the real Brian Penske couldn't make it. So that was my friend Charlie. Charlie Penske? I was going to ask him if he was from the Penske family, but I guess not. And then he answered, I was going to ask him about the foreign thing, but yeah, it's, it's all changed. Men's and women's college soccer, a lot of foreign players, which I think. Ultimately, there's enough opportunities for American players out there. Um, college was the only place I, I could go. And I think now there are definitely different places to go. So, um, all right, Davey. So that's it for today. But I want to, before we go, um, give you the, the answer to the, uh, to the trivia question. Send it on over. What do you, you got? thought about it yet or what? You, you're ready? Um, I have not thought about it because I am completely perplexed. Right, By the since- way, Kev, if people yeah. do want to chime in, how... How do our how do our listeners chime in? How do you chime in? That's interesting. In and of itself. Um, how do you chime in? How chime you do it? Look, you can we follow us on Facebook. Give us a like, everybody. Uh, tweet uh, us, uh, TikTok, all that stuff. We're on all of it. And you know what? It really makes a difference when you guys give us a thumbs up or you know a shout out or a reach out or a comment. So please do that. This is uh, over the ball, where the world's game uh, from an American perspective. And I don't know how many people have the Division One national team coaches on. They don't. Well, back we, to back. Back yeah, to back. We're always friend. looking at, you know, we're always, everybody wants to talk about Premier League and, and uh, or MLS or Champions League and everything else. So, um, you know, my heart is uh, in college soccer. Um, all my friends are still there coaching. So it was great to talk to him. So anyway, so give us a like. All right, so this is it. Since the MLS launch in 1996, how many U.S. Open Cup titles were won by a non-MLS team in all the years since 96? You give up, right? I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say two. Actually, that's a great answer, but you're wrong. It's one, just one, and it was the Rochester Rhinos. They won it up in Rochester. I was there, like I think in, a no, in November or something. I don't know when it was, but I was freezing my butt off. Anyway, um, so and they're no longer around. So uh, all good. So it's a great soccer town, though, Rochester. So all right, Davey, uh, good get. Getting Brian Penske he was a good guy. I was uh, I've been a fan of his results anyway and his whole journey. Um, I knew about him when he was working with Sasha a little bit, but uh, it's great it's, guy, yeah, great guy. Hard not to root for a guy like that. Great, and I, that's what I said about like uh, 
like with Coach Noonan last week, it's these guys are educators. They're they're psychologists and they're coaches, the good ones. And you can just tell it. You can feel the vibe. So, uh, so but the stuff. difference between the, the, but the difference between Noonan uh, Noonan took a team that was in disarray. He took a program that needed help. But then, to your point, that was a great question. And if you didn't ask it, I was going to ask it. Um, I think you're looking at my notes. He took over a team that didn't really need any help. I mean, they were already national champions two years prior. They had a kick-ass year last year, and then they won the championship this year. So. You know, good good for him. It takes a lot of guts to do that. Just sort of like the review of what we all just talked about. I think this is just, <laughs> we we buttoned all the points. Uh, let's have him back on though, because I'd like to uh, I'd like to talk to him again. And I think there were some other things you wanted to talk to him about as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Sounds good. That's it. That's all the time we have today on Over the Ball for Dave Gallego. Let go, my ego. I'm Kevin Flynn, our producer in Octane Media. Thanks for the help. We'll talk to you next time on OTB. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays and happy new year. Talk to you next week. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247.